people. Welcome to No Normal People. I'm your host, Stephen Henning, and I'm flying solo this week. Couple announcements at the top of the show here. First, wanted to let you know that Dixie has decided to take a few weeks break from the podcast. Circumstances in our life have kind of stacked up related to jobs and family and all these things, and Dixie has decided that she needs a little bit of time, a little bit of space away from a public-facing microphone. So uh, for her own mental stability, mental health, and uh, just getting back on her her own two feet, we've decided to give her a break from hosting here. So in this episode, in the first half, you will hear Dixie in on the interview. And on the second half, it'll just be me and the guest. We recorded this conversation over a couple days, working around our guest's schedule. So we hope you understand the slight change in the show at that point. Second announcement, a bit more lighthearted. I did watch the Super Bowl. As many jokes and japes and jests that Dixie and I made at the top of the last episode, we really did enjoy the Super Bowl this year. I think what I've been lacking in my experience of organized sports, really in any arena, is that sense of camaraderie and friendship that you get sitting around and cheering for the same team, all for a common goal. It was a good time. I'll just tell you, I enjoyed it. I think I might try being a football fan next year. Who knows? Maybe it's American football. Maybe it's the other football that most of the world calls football. Who knows? In this episode, we get to know Maria Vieira. You can check her out on Instagram at Arama Vieira. That's A-I-R. A-M-A-V-I-E-R-A. Oh, and you know what? I'm just realizing that the beginning of that Instagram tag is Maria Backwards. So if that helps you, with an A in the middle, Maria Backwards A Vieira. We talk about Maria's business, painting nails. So if you'd like to get your nails done, manicure, pedicure, very good looking art as well, I might add. You can check that out on Instagram at Nails by Maria Vieira. Dixie and I did want to wish Maria and her fiancé Nick a very happy wedding at the end of this month as well. Congratulations, you two. Consider this a bit of a wedding gift. Not our entire wedding gift. I know you have a registry, it's fine. But this might be a little bit of it, and honestly, you gotta say, it's pretty unique. Okay, so without further ado, here is Maria Vieira. Okay. Maria, are you ready? Yeah. Puzzles or board games? Oh, gosh. Puzzles. Instagram or Facebook? Instagram. Oceans or lakes? Lakes. Rain or sun? Rain. Tea or coffee? Tea. Summer or winter? Neither. I like autumn. There you go. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Libraries or museums? Museums. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Sweet or savory? Savory. Soda or pop? 
Neither. I also call it by the name of what it is. Because that's the right thing yeah, to do. Agreed. Hogwarts or the Shire? Hogwarts, for sure. But I love them both. Pizza or tacos? Oh. <laughs> both. <laughs> Beer or wine? Yes. <laughs> Vanilla or chocolate? Vanilla. George R.R. R. Martin or J.R.R. R. Tolkien? Tolkien. Yeah. Books or movies? It used to be books, but more movies lately. Yeah. Sweater or hoodie? Sweater. Handshakes or hugs? Hugs. Bachelor or bachelorette? Neither. (laughs) (laughs) Introvert or extrovert? Introvert. Phone calls or texts? Texts. Nice. There we go. (laughs) What is your favorite candy? I have a couple. Um, Chocolate bar or chocolate in it? Uh, Heath bar, for sure. I Mm. love toffee. Love Heath bars. Um, And then hard candy, I like gobstoppers. Excellent choice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Favorite snack? It varies depending on the season, but I love frozen grapes in the summer. Mm. They're like a healthy alternative, yes. but they're <laughs> so good. Um, and then otherwise, anything like salty and savory. So pretzels I love or chocolate covered pretzels are pretzels. so good. What? I know. What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> love them. Uh, favorite smell? Garlic and onions. Mm. Like cooking garlic yes. and onions. Yes. Excellent. That's my favorite smell for sure. Favorite city? I don't really have a favorite city. I have a favorite place. Okay. Um, my favorite place, and I would love to go back. I love the Grand Canyon. Mm. Oh, excellent. Loved it. What is your favorite musician slash band? It depends on the genre. But currently, I love Touche Amore. Okay. For like harder metal. rock metal. Yeah. yeah. Um, otherwise, I love Paramore. Um, specifically their most recent album yeah yeah and then i'm also just really into like mumford and sons vibe oh anything kind of in that genre do you have a favorite podcast i don't Don't i feel obligated to say this one i've only ever (laughs) listened to two podcasts ever this one and then a murder podcast that i listen to while i run (laughs) we are so honored (laughs) us and murder there you go yeah yeah. uh favorite novel (laughs) Okay, I've got two books I've always loved. I think I know Fant- one. Fantastic. Actually, I'm pretty sure you probably don't know. Both of them are like pretty nostalgic. That's why I like them. I haven't read them in a really long time, but they've always been on my list. One of them's called Swear to Howdy. Cannot remember who wrote it. Okay. Yeah. Gonna Google it's a that. very small, short, like easy read for like, I don't know, like sixth graders, but super deep mm-hmm. and sad. And I love that. <laughs> um, and then the other one is The Book Thief. Oh, yeah. And uh, I loved the concept in general. I was going to so say much. Life of Pi. Oh, I also love Life of Pi. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, You're boy. adding to my list. Yep. Smartest person you know. My Uncle Josh, I think. Is what I'm gonna go. Yeah. That's I'd great. My Uncle Josh. Way to go, Uncle Josh. He's going to be so flattered and his ego's going <laughs> to be so big. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Do you have a secret talent? Nope. No. <laughs> I do not have talents. Okay. What was your first job? Um, babysitting, if that counts, but mm-hmm. first official job with taxes and stuff. I was a waitress <laughs> at a pizzeria okay. called oh, Ra cool. Ra's. Uh, worst fashion trend you've participated in? She already said she was emo. Oh. <laughs> Honestly, but that is so true. <laughs> Although my parents, my parents were so strict, so I never really got to embrace the full emo. <laughs> like 
okay. super dark eyeliner. Yeah, I'd say the fashion trend that it was the worst thing was like a haircut, and it oh, was like yeah. the big swoop bangs from like the back of my oh, head man. to the front of my face. I right. looked. Yeah, your part is like on yeah, the back of your like head. Like Rod Stewart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I used to be. I used to be way into tie dye. And I also used to wear shorts. It was through, the worst. I used to wear shorts throughout the winter. It was so terrible. Oh my terrible. gosh! One of my best friends used to do that. He still does that. One of, he did the beaver hair. He got kicked hair out too. of the prom That's because ridiculous. he wore shorts to prom. Oh. I got. I almost got kicked out of prom for wearing a towel. You, were, you yeah. wore a towel? Yeah, I was under the sea themed, so I thought I'll just wear a towel. <laughs> and, and i did dixie <laughs> and this is why yeah, this is why there's a dress code for laurel dances <laughs> so it's you okay. you're welcome she did it to him <laughs> favorite ice cream flavor cookies and cream Fantastic the more the better Fantastic choice yeah. what was your first live concert oh i'm embarrassed by that one it was Dixie's is Kelly Clarkson, yeah, so don't so don't even. <laughs> I actually think we were at the same Kelly Clarkson Probably. show because I definitely was at that. Yeah, but I think my first one, my very first, was Three Days Grace and My Darkest Days. Wow. Yeah, I'm only embarrassed because I I thought it was such hard rock back in the day. <laughs> That is yeah. so cool. That's how Steven felt about Skillet. That my, oh my, f- <laughs> my, <laughs> my first live concert was Skillet. And I was like, what is happening? This is so but hardcore. Honestly, Skillet was so good Like when they first started. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, the, still, they're still good. They're relevant. Funny, I don't know through <laughs> Collide, their decline started in Comatose. And then it's just been going yeah, further yeah. and further into Christian butt rock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. It's like the dad rock for the Christian genre. Yeah. Nickelback. Okay. Oh, man. Uh, what would you choose for your last meal? It's kind of a roundabout way of asking what your favorite food is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I love food, so it's really hard. But. One of everything, please. Yeah. It, <laughs> I'm sure it'd be some form of meat and potatoes, but oh. also creme brulee every mm. time. Creme brulee is my favorite dessert. Good to know. And even though I'm a savory person, creme brulee just can't beat it. Great. I love it. It's true. It's very good. Any treat with fire involved is fun. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Favorite TV show? The Office. Excellent As unoriginal as I feel when I say that because it's everybody's favorite show, but I love it. That was my answer. Yeah. So so good. (laughs) Um, Who do you think is the most overlooked actor or actress? Christopher yet- Waltz. I love him. Every <laughs> role he's ever done, I love. Even when he's like, oh, I guess he's not in. Oh, yeah, he's in Jacob. He's in uh, Inglorious Bastards, Bastards, too. He's yes. like the creepy Nazi, oh. but I'm also kind oh, of like. that guy. But he's yeah. so charming. Yes. Like, <laughs> I, I feel bad and gross saying this, but watching him be that creepy Nazi, I was like, I mean. That's how I feel they about Ramsey. hiding from you. On Game yeah. of Thrones? Yes. Jeez. Well, I, don't, I actually don't like Ramsey. At first, Ew. I'm like, ooh, you're charming, and this is kind of creepy. No, and then I'm he terrified. takes it too far. <laughs> okay. Uh, last one. What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, when I was really little, I wanted to be a paleontologist. Hands Whoa. down. I wanted Could you to say paleontologist? Pale- yes. I actually <laughs> was then. so proud. Honestly, that's probably why I wanted to be <laughs> You're one. like, I can say it. Yeah. I was like, look at those big fancy words. But also, I loved dinosaurs. Great. Growing up. Loved them. What's Beautiful. your favorite dinosaur? Um, <laughs> so, back in the day, it was Spinosaurus was Kay. one of the ones I loved. But Velociraptors, hands down. They're so smart. Excellent. They're smart. Yeah, yeah. They're so okay, interesting. Okay, so you loved Jurassic Park and Jurassic World. Yes. Yeah. I made the clever girl reference literally like yesterday and Steven was like, 
what what was that from i, thought I had it was, to explain no, it to him no i confused it i thought it was jurassic world and mm-hmm. you corrected me good yeah i knew yeah, it was velociraptor fine. related yes <laughs> and that's least. what's important yeah. honestly velociraptor adjacent they're Dixie. so crazy <laughs> dixie just finished writing a one-sheet rpg called dino days where it's like you play it kind of like D, but you, you only need d6 yeah are you want to play it sometimes yeah yeah you're a dinosaur uh, you roll for your dinosaur <laughs> i love that idea and you either get a carnivore or an herbivore the and child the, in me would love that <laughs> so much and the only direction that she gives the dm she gives optional direction to the dm but the only objective for the game is every time you play there's a meteor shower coming and your team has to collect enough food water and find shelter that's, That's the entire great. structure she built. It's I love so that. good. I love also, that idea. you know how in Dungeons and Dragons, it's the DM is a dungeon master. Mm-hmm. I called it a Dino Master. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's did I so ever tell good. you guys about the one time I did play D anD? I've only no. ever played it once. Okay. I was a cleric elf, Beautiful. and I had this whole idea that I was going to be this like helpful spiritual thing, right? Like being that was just full of wisdom and great and i rolled really well yeah but then i found out that when i play dnd i'm really not that way <laughs> because i started like convincing and manipulating my other teammates <laughs> to steal things for me and give them to me oh so i didn't know this at the time and i the game stopped but forrest was our dm you're very yes. much like chaotic neutral yeah. at the worst <laughs> wow but forrest was our dm and he said that he kept rolling to see if my god was gonna like smite me oh. and I, and he like it never worked out oh and you yeah. didn't know he was making no. those rolls so i was like i could do that right and he was like i don't know what do you think and i was like i don't care if my god says that like i'll just ask for <laughs> forgiveness later and i was like i'm not stealing he's doing it for me it's fine god said it's okay yeah so i think wow. uh, i think next time i'm not gonna be doing that there you go <laughs> yeah. i I intentionally tried to create my first character as the complete opposite of me. Yeah. I wanted to see what it was like to try and inhabit a personality that was completely opposite. Different. Yeah. So I made a, a forest gnome druid woman <laughs> that, oh. and I made her like crunchy granola hippie. Love. Oh, I've heard this. Yeah. So her name. What was her name? Earl Faltitit. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if I like that word. She has five names, but that's the funniest name. So the first name is Urfaltatit, and her last name is Riser, um, (laughs) but she goes by Early. So her name is Early Riser. Oh, what? Look at this nerd. I wrote that. (laughs) I did that. That's so funny. One of her middle names is Sue, so she- Sue? Like she more- Yeah, Early Sue was her kind of catchy. I think that is so cute. (laughs) I thought it was awesome. I love that. It was fun to play her. I tried to make as close to me as possible. Yeah. And then I played and I found out those things about myself, so that was- pretty eye-opening started discovering some of the darker parts of you (laughs) i like to steal stuff apparently (laughs) more like i like to manipulate other people to steal things for me which is worse yeah probably yeah that kind of takes on like a mob boss Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mafia leader yeah. i mean look at me though i don't think i could actually <laughs> like in real life actually steal things but my but you could people. convince other yeah. people to do it i mean be like you want to steal this yeah. and then give it to that's them. your that's using your your natural actual persuasion skills yeah. from speech and drama oh there yeah. we go yeah. your, sure. your secret <laughs> talent is manipulation oh no <laughs> beware everybody oh no we found look it look out <laughs> 
god. That makes me sound so bad. Maria is mentally formidable. <laughs> yeah. People are going to hear this podcast and be like, what? No, On your sorry. guard. She does not sound like somebody I want to <laughs> hang out with. <laughs> I don't want to be friends with her. Awesome. No, she's great. All right. Maria Vieira. Yeah. Soon to be Maria Knight. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. I'm very excited. <laughs> Would you please introduce yourself how you'd like to be introduced? Kind of tell the story of your life up to now, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I was born in Miles City, Montana, 1997, May. I have one full sister. Her name's Emily. She's 20, a um, year and a half younger than I am. She was also born in Miles City. So we lived in Rosebud, Montana. I don't even know how long, but um, not that long. And then we moved to New York, like state. I don't remember where in New York. I was so little, but we uh, stayed there for a couple of years. We followed my grandparents there. And then we came back to Rosebud again, following my grandparents. <laughs> and then I, w- I was there until fifth grade. And then um, in Rosebud, Montana is just super small, yeah. like class size of four people kind of thing. <laughs> so uh, we left there and came to Billings and I went to school at Broadwater Elementary <laughs> for a year All right. <laughs> and then um, moved out to Shepherd and graduated high school out there. Over the course of that time, um, I was put into the foster care system. My sister and I both were. Um, my biological mother also this entire time, she's on the East Coast, has two daughters with another person. Mm-hmm. So my half sisters and I don't really see them super often. And then, yeah, I, right after high school, I had a friend of mine die my senior year and I went to Missoula and she was supposed to go with me, but Missoula was pretty hard on me because of that. And I came home to go to college here and did not love it. (laughs) So I left and tried to pursue something else and I did nails. Instead, I went to to school for that and yeah, did nails and now here I am. And since then, I mean, I met Nick. Mm-hmm. in March yes. of 2019 so we haven't been dating for super long at the time oh. of this podcast yeah. yeah met and married before we've known each other a year which is crazy but <laughs> but pretty awesome at the same time so that's that's me that's great well okay so your Instagram says you're a former art major yeah so that seems like it translates pretty well into doing nails professionally yeah shockingly so okay. yeah <laughs> yeah at the time of this recording you're just coming off a full day of judging debate yeah is that correct at yeah what high school were you at um we were in huntley okay oh okay mm-hmm. judging what is that class b or c i think they're b so you yeah. were judging class b was it uh policy debate or yeah. team debate um i did policy debate lincoln douglas debate public forum debate and then i also judged um impromptu wow yeah so all okay of the so debates. that was judging today yeah uh why after this many years of you being in high school, are you still interested in helping to judge? They were my glory days. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, they were. I love them. Probably my big, biggest accomplishment to date, mm-hmm. honestly, is I won state with my friend that had passed away. Okay. So I, I mean, I loved it. Oh, that's a special memory yeah. to hold on to, too. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. It's kind of nice to relive that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so you did policy debate mm-hmm. in high school all four years? No, um, sophomore through senior. Sophomore, senior. Yeah, okay. I had to be like begged to do <laughs> yeah. it, like pulled, pulled my teeth out kind of Steven thing to too. start it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I only joined Lincoln-Douglas debate my sophomore year because Dixie was in drama and I wanted to spend more time with her. <laughs> Love that. That's adorable. <laughs> yeah, I mean... 
It was less adorable in person. Yeah. <laughs> it was more of a, just an excuse to make out on the long yeah. bus rides. Yeah, that's Oops. true. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> but so I joined Lincoln Douglas sophomore year. After sophomore year, I quit because Dixie graduated and I didn't <laughs> want to be part of it. But so, so I, I started as a complete noob, hated public speaking, though yes. I was very comfortable with musical performance. I was in choir, band. I, I had a lead role freshman year in the musical he had a lead role every year in the musical. So just what? stop it. Yeah. So <laughs> you said your proudest moment was winning state in debate. My proudest moment was being Charlie Brown in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Hey, I mean, Senior that sounds like the biggest part you can get. Senior year. <laughs> your name is literally the name of the show. It was fantastic. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Uh, so I joined Lincoln Douglas, complete noob. I hated public speaking. I hated the impromptu speeches that we had to do. Yes. By the end of the year... Me and my teammate, he had won state. Well, I say teammate, meaning he was also from Laurel. Yeah. Um, But he had won state the year previous, and his rival was from Laurel's rival school, Central. (laughs) And turns out, so two seniors at Central, it was his existing rival, and then one of the other seniors that were on the Lincoln Douglas team became my rival for the year. Did you whoop him? Semifinals. Whooped. Semifinals, it was I him. I love that. Semifinals, it was him against his rival and me against my rival. We both beat them and we had to debate each yes. other for the finals. <laughs> and because we had practiced and prepped so much, we knew exactly each of our cases oh, yeah. going into it. So like our flow notes were completely full. Oh, yeah. yeah Before yeah. like timer, first timer started, I had my, my flow chart done. By the time he was done with his first prepared speech. I love that so much. I've had so many. Brenna and I had like a a very specific strategic outlook on policy. (laughs) So we would go against all these people throughout the year and then learn their case, study their case, and then build a negative case specifically against theirs. So when we saw people who had that case or when they came back, we were like, oh, we didn't know you had all these things, but also you're going to lose because everything <laughs> is wrong with your plan. destroy you. But, um, I just got goosebumps. <laughs> it's such I, a good idea. I so admire that preparation. We put so much time in. Like, wow. People, you guys were making out on the bus. We were like <laughs> well, still studying. <laughs> yeah, I got fourth in state with my, my partner and humorous duo. And I would honestly say it's because we did not prepare. Yeah, we, were. <laughs> we were like, yeah. <laughs> we put like summers into it before. That's debates. fantastic. Yeah. Sen- or, yeah. Senior year at state last round, we were we were like holding on to this fact that we would win. Like we had to win as our last <laughs> year. And our coach comes in and he's like, hey, so you guys have always done it where she's first speaker, me and Brenna is second speaker. So, and for people who don't know anything about speech and drama, that's a big deal because the first speaker <laughs> yeah, always just has. Change, you guys have a yeah, a, uh, like a play off yes. each other, and you have like a symbiotic relationship Absolutely. there. Absolutely, you know if she like trips over a sentence, you know what sentence that was, but uh-huh. also you know how to fix that problem yes. that when you get to speak. And even more than that, like Brenna and I had it very specific where mine was always typed out. So I like I had everything pretty much memorized. So Uh I just had the paper in front of me, knew what I was saying. It was the same thing I always said in every debate. And then the latter portion of the debate would be off the top of my head. So he had a switch, which was so weird. I've never had to look up like pages and evidence or anything in our binders before. And it was Uh. all of a sudden my job. But we left the debate and her boyfriend at the time came and saw us too. And she was convinced that we lost. And he was 
being honest with her and said that he thought we lost and so the, <laughs> we like cried for like three hours before <laughs> before the awards oh, no. so much we were like this is the worst day ever like we shouldn't <laughs> oh, have no. swapped this is so stupid and we had never seen those kids before either so we had no plan against them but uh we won by like a landslide oh, so there's like yes. a great photo actually on my instagram okay of the moment that we found out we won and my face is like i freaking knew it and her yes. mouth is like the wide triumph. open and yeah it's, it's amazing it's the best thing ever oh that's great that's kind of how it was i didn't know that steven and Corey, his partner yeah our other teammate had gotten first and second like i had mm-hmm. no idea she had no idea because we didn't tell you know him. drama is like yeah, totally, totally different separate thing from debate and it's always different times so like by the time we got to awards like my partner and i had already gone through and we had gotten fourth and then all of our other friends have had gone through and gotten their awards and then we got to the debate awards and steven went up with you know the seven other teams <laughs> and was just standing up there and i was like oh at least he placed you know yeah. like that's so nice um and then they kept going down and they finally got to three winner, winner. they got to third place and they said some other person's name yeah and I was my like, rival's name I was and like, you're what like, the hell is going on <laughs> right yeah. so going into that debate Corey and i were like we know each other's cases you won state last year i'm not going to purposely give it up for you but, but I mean, also, you probably are going to win kind of thing. Well, and what was funny was at the very beginning of him training me and kind of like helping me learn public speaking in general, I was terrible for my first few meets. <laughs> Same, I won dude. I won first at one meet. Um, he, he lost out to someone else. And I got I finally won a meet. It was my actually it was Mile City that I won. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so all throughout the year, I was joking like, watch, you and I are both going to get to finals and. I'm going to lose on a low point split ballot. Did he lose on a low point split ballot? I called it a hundred. I lost on a low point split ballot. I took one of the judges. He took both, but one of his judges gave me more points, but still gave him the win. I hate that. It was infuriating. Did they at least give you like information on why you lost? Oh yeah. We, okay. I good. mean, you know, you get the, your like yeah, your, your ballots comments. back, you get your comments back mm-hmm. and the guy spent a long time. He needed good. an extra page to explain why. Corey got the win. Proper judge. But I got the m- more points from him. It, uh, Getting my it was, notes back from stuff like that was probably my favorite part. Mine yeah. too, honestly. I got called blasphemous multiple times. Oh, yeah. I got called fat. I got told what? I need to work out more You're because I got winded. Fat? Babe. Yeah. You were in high school. That yeah. is wildly yeah. inappropriate. That was, that is that was for when I did mime. They were like, You're fat. That's rude. Um, that's um, really she, awful. She's not allowed to judge anymore. Good. Good. <laughs> Dunzo. Yeah. And then I actually, my uh, humorous solo piece was, it was blasphemous. It was pretty bad. It was about Jesus's bar mitzvah. So, and I performed it at Central. So all of the judges are like Catholic. But they can't judge the piece. <laughs> no. They can judge the performance, not the piece. Yeah. Not so, the content. Yeah, exactly. But they did. <laughs> I was like, this was a that. bad time to pull out my Jesus piece. <laughs> yeah. Here we are. That was a bummer. It worked out. <laughs> okay, so you guys both just mentioned that you enjoyed the feedback part. Were there any other takeaways from your experience in debate that you've kind of carried with you? Like what oh, lessons yeah. about communication or speaking have you kind of applied throughout your life? Oh, yeah, so much. So I was a huge introvert in high school, super quiet, was incredibly insecure with like my thoughts and sharing them and all of these things. So debate helped me public speak. 
to an extent it's really funny i used to get like hives like rashes oh, no. <laughs> i'm not even kidding down my arms chest my face i'd like stutter i don't stutter anymore and my arms don't get red anymore <laughs> like all the way down it used to be so bad like so obvious but my chest still gets red if i'm embarrassed or if i'm on the mm-hmm. spot so that's kind of a funny thing but i'm better but other things i mean it's just a lot easier for me to share my opinion mm-hmm. and i'm a lot less scared and nervous to be shut down right because of it like i take criticism a lot better and yeah i'd say all of those things i can relate to the the nerves especially yeah. going first into debate into that, all that public speaking stuff being involved in music for so long i was comfortable being in front of people but the fact that i had to talk yeah instead of saying a song that i've sang a hundred time and times in practice and now i'm just performing it was completely different absolutely and well like you said with the um your rebuttals and the things that weren't just reading evidence mm-hmm. that's all straight from your understanding of everything it's up to you to make sense of everything going on it's like a direct comment on how intelligent you are mm-hmm. <laughs> or observant <laughs> but right. that's what's scary yeah i don't like that but i I'm I, I don't oh. get nervous like that that's just not something i experience yeah no Dixie's <laughs> just, flip. i'm like i just okay well, it's done we did it just put it out there <laughs> oh i yeah. wish leave it on the court <laughs> i will overthink my nervousness for hours okay before i do it well it's and still that way so i don't I don't know if you relate to this, but what debate taught me was that there's a difference between being introverted and shy. Yeah. And it really helps you cure shyness. Like you're willing to walk into a situation and like you said, put your opinion out there, have a debate, be ready for someone to push back. Yeah. Because one of my biggest pet peeves is when people equate shyness and introvert. It's like, Mm -hmm. this is an energy question. This is not (laughs) a a speaking skill. 100%. Um, I actually love that you brought that up with being able to like bring up your opinion and then be debated on it. That's why I liked philosophy because it felt mm. so much like debate mm-hmm. and I just loved it. I thrived <laughs> on that. Just- yeah, that was great. So right before you actually, uh, Josh's episodes are coming out. So we will have an entire episode explaining what philosophy was. Yay. But, so you were a regular member of that group. I was. Getting together and getting into it. Do you remember any specific uh, conversations from that group that have stuck with you or impacted you? Oh, yeah. Um, Right off the top of my head, my favorite question, not to do my own horn, but it was my (laughs) question, but um, it was how replaceable are you? And it brought forth a lot of, I mean, deep conversation and eventually some subtle spirituality, which technically wasn't allowed per se in philosophy we try to steer clear of like spirituality and mm-hmm. politics but that's where dixie and i got in trouble we came for our first time and all i want to talk was, is theology and spirituality yeah, and i didn't even talk i just well, sat there and, and everyone there who were veterans of the group were like they're like shut you're, up you're doing please, it again please stop shut up please stop forever um, yeah no that was my favorite question there's one gentleman in the group i cannot remember his name for the life of me but we like back and forth back and forth and it was good <laughs> that's great yeah everybody i mean the thing I like about it is everybody comes there for the purpose of conversation and inevitably a debate. Yeah. So nobody is ever like too emotional in it. Nobody's mm-hmm. getting hurt feelings or taking it yeah. personally. You come in steeled up so that you're not yeah. walking away offended. Yes. And I, I mean, I love debating. And okay. so a lot of the time 
like I'll do it with Nick and I have to catch myself because I'm like, he's not prepared. He doesn't know he's walking into this. Yeah. I've been preparing so to, this argument for days. Yeah, I got pulled back. So <laughs> your lawsuit was like the perfect setting because I could just show up and be like, here I am. Here's all my come What's at me. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit back. And they would. And it was great. Loved it. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful. Excellent. This is why we get along. <laughs> so going back in your story a little bit, I know this can be a vulnerable topic for for some but you said you were comfortable talking about it i'd love to hear your experience with the fostering and adoption system yeah for sure uh just things from your perspective i i feel like we hear a lot of of frustration from the you know the people who are foster parents Mm -hmm. and parents who are looking to adopt but we don't hear a lot of perspective from the child side yeah i love this question so um i mean if anybody listened to this wants to ask me more please do (laughs) because i love it but so just for context my sister and i lived with my father for most of our lives my mom was on the east coast like i had said before and she had like kind of shown up a couple of times and we had visited her a couple of times but it was nothing consistent so my father was our primary caregiver he dated around a long time and at a very young age he leaned into alcohol and really leaned into kind of the mindset of my way or the highway and he Mm -hmm. was raised in in a home where you kind of had to be tough in order to make it so I mean being an adult now I can kind of see how he became what he became but ultimately he was an alcoholic who became abusive Mm. but at a young age he was um, pretty much just verbally mentally emotionally physically abusing the women he dated Mm. and we would see it but didn't really understand it and then um how old were you at this time oh since i was born it was with my mom from the get-go girlfriends before that sure um but i don't think i really understood what was going on Mm -hmm. until i was probably sixth grader sixth grader sixth grader or seventh grader one of those and um he had had a long-term girlfriend who i had developed a really close relationship with in fact i call her my stepmom now even now Things got really heated between them and often in front of us. And so uh, I started noticing Mm -hmm. and then I inserted myself once. My sister and I both did. And that situation turned into an eventual thing with my sister and I. And so then we were now the people who were being abused. And over the course of this, I mean, when you have an angry person like that, emotional and mental abuse is always there. But Mm -hmm. the physical aspect was brought in. Mm -hmm. But then um, they split up my sophomore year beginning of my sophomore year and we lived with my dad and things just got worse there was a period of time when uh we actually well let me backtrack so there was another incident with my father after they had split up and i had ran away in quotes like um the incident happened and immediately following i like left and tried to get help kind of thing Mm -hmm. and um, my current foster parents actually my adoptive parents they lived about a block away so i went to them Mm. And um, they spoke with my father and they kind of had a mutual agreement and we stayed there for about six months without any law enforcement or any action being taken to try to give him time to get help. And he claimed that he did. So we went back and then six months later we removed again for uh, another incident that had happened. But Mm -hmm. this time it was permanently and it was with the courts and everything was involved. So. And you ended up going back to the same foster parents? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Which. um. I feel like the context is necessary because a lot of people who are put into the system bounce around and go to people that they don't know. 
But um, my sister and I were incredibly fortunate. We luckily had some people who cared about us a lot and paid attention. And my best friend in school, their parents kind of noticed some things were off and they became foster parents over that six month period of time where we were with them the first time. Wow. So they registered in the system by the time you were ready to move permanently. Yeah. Wow. That's so great. Yeah. So it was excellent. So we didn't have to change schools. We knew them. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously... Not super ideal, like everybody wants to be with their like normal parents. Yeah, of course. But the best case scenario that could have happened came out of that situation. So Mm -hmm. it was great. And then from there, I mean, I think my sister transitioned a little less easily Mm -hmm. than I did. Sure. Um, because they were my friends. But the transition was pretty okay. I did I was pretty angry. So Do you think some (laughs) of that has to do with her being a little older? So she might have had a little more of a Oh, she's younger. She's younger. Mm -hmm. Oh, Ignore yeah. that question. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that's, I'm glad you brought that up. So I think the reason why my sister couldn't transition super well was because we had, she's... yeah, we had different, ex- our experiences were just very different. Yeah. Yep. yeah. I kind of assumed the role of mom. So when things got bad with my dad, I would insert myself and the eight side yeah. of my Enneagram <laughs> would show up and I would just get in his face and I'd be like, this isn't okay. And then all of that anger would go to me. And I don't think at the time I knew that if I inserted myself, it would be deflected. I think at the time I honestly thought I was going to just fix it and right. that he would like realize it and then be done. But it did just end up taking all of it and putting it on me, okay. which I'm forever grateful for. I'm yeah. glad my sister didn't have that. But yeah, because so of at, that, at the time in your life, you were ready to kind of step into that protector role for her. Yeah. I think Dixie has, I've been has a slightly. Both of those simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. So with my little sister, I'm definitely more protective um, and like aggressive with how people treat her. Mm-hmm. Whereas my older sister in her relationship with my dad was more of the punching bag. Yeah. And I wasn't at yeah. all. Um, so it's I I can see both sides of that pretty well. Yeah. It's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. My sister, um, because of that, I mean, she didn't have to experience it. But in turn being put into the system was harder mm-hmm. she like didn't really i mean she understood but she didn't want to be removed yeah and it's right. harder to process at, absolutely at any age that's younger than you know yeah 100 mm-hmm. percent. she was in junior high still okay when that happened oh, so wow. yeah what a formative yeah. time for a psyche to go through that absolutely and when you go through it for your whole life because like i said yeah. we witnessed it a lot mm-hmm. um you really question the level of like is this bad enough to, like, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. So it. because it's normalized over time, mm-hmm. it's hard to know when the line is finally crossed. Yeah. Right. D- do you both relate to that? I gen, I'm genuinely amazed that my sisters and I never went through like the foster system. Yeah. Oh. I'm yeah, like literally too. amazed. <laughs> I've heard the stories and I am as well. Yeah. My sister and I, I mean, honestly, I'm surprised that we weren't put into it earlier because mm-hmm. there were so many people that knew mm-hmm. okay. and so many people like my foster parents who could be like, that's weird. Probably yeah, not. Okay. Maybe don't do yeah. that. <laughs> but I feel like the general public has this mental mindset that they can't really say anything unless it's reached an extreme. Right. Because they don't want to be those guys that assume ask, it. Yeah. Of something. Assume or like ruin somebody's life on yeah. accident, you know, things like that. Sure ruin someone's life if it's noticeable ruin their life i don't care just do it (laughs) okay i will call the cops every single day (laughs) right i kind of want to stay with the fostering system a little bit more sure so i kind of want to go back to what you you mentioned a lot of the kids have the the misfortune given the structure of the system that they 
kind of bounce around, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Given your experience with the fostering system and also your experience with thinking from a policy standpoint, experience from high school, not that we're going to change the world anytime soon, but do you <laughs> have any thoughts? Change? Do you have any thoughts on what what could be improved in the system to help that bouncing around effect? Yeah, I think about this all the time. And honestly, no, I keep hitting this spot of, I mean, of course, there are things that if we had this ideal world, I would change this one thing in the system and then that would create a ripple effect and right. all these sure. other things would get better. But that's not how it works. So, I mean, unfortunately, unless the problem doesn't exist, I, okay. I think you will always have problems because you're, they're kind of already doing the best that they can. Okay. So yeah. I, yeah. Do, do you think, do you it's think it's situational? Yeah. Probably. Mm. It's super, it's hard because the way that I see it, the government is like doing what they can with what they have mm-hmm. and the workers in particular, even more so I would say, are putting into it what they can as much as they can and working with what they have. And there's just a certain level, like um, unless more people volunteer their lives to be foster parents, mm-hmm. there's going to be a shortage, which will lead to there being an overflow in foster homes, which will eventually lead to kids being lost in the cracks, which will eventually lead to the cycle continuing through them so there's just a lot of factors yeah so Mm -hmm. it's almost a breakdown in education and general communication yeah i would honestly even say it goes it goes farther down into like the child like the child who is abused is typically because of the cycle becomes the abuser right so i would say it goes back to just how the child is raised in the environment that it's raised in so okay yeah it could be I mean, I would say, like, remove them sooner, but then you have to put them somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, so and every child is going to be different. Like, yeah. Their experience is going to be completely different from another child. So 100%. it's hard to like, yeah. put a child in a place where they're safe and comfortable mm-hmm. while simultaneously putting them in a place that, like, the foster parents are, yes. like, there and ready to mm. In a place help. that they can grow. Right. Um, my foster parents adoptive parents they continued the process and there were so many children that we've had where they were put into a safe environment they were cared for and we paid attention to them Mm -hmm. but we simply could not reach them in the ways that they needed yeah there's just too many factors uh, honestly do you think some of it too is just a cultural stigma around talking about it like i'm so glad that you're here and that we get to talk about it because i'd I honestly don't know much about the system or much about the issues that are plaguing it. Yeah. So do you think if we're just, if we're talking about it more, um, encouraging people to look into, you know, becoming foster parents or at least supporting people who have already taken on the role of foster parenting? Yeah, absolutely. I also think it's just, it's one of those things that are hard. And Mm -hmm. so people look at it as somebody else will do it. Like Mm -hmm. it's important and somebody should do it. And like, I'm willing to admit that, but also... Somebody else is better at it than I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we are. We Stephen and I have had that conversation, and we definitely feel like we're not foster parents, but we support people who make that decision. Absolutely. Like I know that I would not be a good foster parent, and I think that's also and important that's, to know about yourself. Yeah, yeah. That create that like adds to the problem if mm-hmm. you become a foster parent and you don't understand how selfish you are. Right. Yeah, I'm pretty selfish. <laughs> and I mean, me too. Like, I don't have kids yet, so who knows how selfish I am, we'll honestly. <laughs> and, well, okay, so real quick, I, I wanted to talk about, like, support. When we say we support foster parents, that's, like, we're talking all facets of support. Like, people can support financially, help mm-hmm. donate to the to the house, to the parents themselves, even if it's just supporting 
uh, the parents themselves taking them out to dinner and just making sure that they have time for their marriage. They have time to keep their own mental health up yes. so that they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're being the, the strong people they need to be for yeah. the foster kids that are in their home. And mm-hmm. praying for them. Yeah. Exactly. Donate clothes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. Actually, most kids don't come with anything. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the foster parents, I mean, they, they get technically an allotment okay. to put toward the children, but so, clothes. Okay. So when you donate some of the practicalities, are we donating directly to the parents or is there, are there organizations that we can donate to? Um, I think you can honestly bring these things to CPS. I okay. don't think. Okay. Cause I would imagine things like toothbrushes and mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, shower soap yeah. or even a simple, like say you post on, on Facebook, just be like, Hey, I want to do this. Is there anybody who is fostering some child and might oh, need yeah. some help? And then like meet with them and help donate directly. I don't know. My mom like built a stockpile of deodorants, toothbrushes, hair, like shampoo, facial wash, things like that. Um, so they'll keep it. They'll use it. Yeah. Hey folks. I hope you're enjoying this episode so far with Maria Vieira. Just wanted to jump in here and let you know that In the intervening time since we recorded this episode, I've done a little research on the local foster and adoption system. If you care to look into how you can support local foster families or become a foster family yourself, please check out childbridgemontana.org. This is a fantastic organization that is 100% donation-based, and they provide a faith-based focused training that equips foster and adoptive families. If you're enjoying this podcast, you can connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at KnowPeoplePod. That's K-N-O-W PeoplePod. We also have a brand new website for you to check out. You can listen to episodes directly on the site or find a link to your favorite podcast catcher. And that is at www.nonormalpeople.com. That's K-N-O-W normalpeople.com. You can also email me, Stephen, directly at knowpeoplepod at gmail.com. If you are a business owner or work for a business that is interested in advertising in this section of the podcast. Thanks for letting me jump in here. As a reminder, the second half of this episode will just be between myself and Maria. So let's get back to it. Okay, Maria. Okay, Stephen. Let's talk nails. Nails. Did you ever think you were going to be on a podcast talking to a man about doing nails? No, none of the above. Absolutely not. (laughs) I'm so glad to shatter your expectations. (laughs) (laughs) So we talked a little about... The way you kind of got into it, you were a former art major, mm-hmm. decided college wasn't great, especially in Missoula being yeah. where, where you were in your life. And that all kind of pivoted into doing nails professionally. Yeah. Where did you start doing nails? Did you start at a salon? Did you start doing your own stuff? Because I eventually want to get to where you are now doing basically your own side hustle. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I went to school for it, obviously. That's where my first exposure was. And we do, you do work on the public there. But then out of that, I started work. Uh, My first job was at a salon here called Salon Avalon. In the industry, you can do one of two things. I guess kind of one of three. But you can work hourly where you work for somebody and you have a boss and they give you a salary. Mm -hmm. Um, Or you can work commission, which is kind of the same thing, salary or based on like your productivity and how much you do in a day. 
or you can do what I do now, um, which is booth rent. At the time, I was on salary, salary, not salary. I was on like an hourly wage Mm. um, at that salon and then moved from there and came to where I work now, which is Nellissimo. And I'm a booth renter. So um, the way that kind of works is I I have my own business. I represent myself. I I can do advertisement through Nellissimo, but I run most of that on my own, but I can do all of my pricing exactly how I want. I can have my schedule be exactly what I want it to be whenever I want it to be. And with that, I also have to buy all of my product and mm-hmm. everything that goes into my business or goes out of my business is something that comes out of my pocket. Yeah. Directly. So was part of that schooling essentially some business one-on-one classes? Oh, I wish. No, oh, you, that'd okay. be great. They should <laughs> throw that in there, but no, Oh, not at all. Yeah. All right. So you've figured out the, the whole contractor structure. Yeah, I'm Basically, still learning. you know how to work the paperwork and all this nonsense. Yeah, I'm still learning 100%. I mean, taxes and things like that are, are always confusing. And I've only been doing it for three years, so I'm still okay. figuring it out. But mm-hmm. the advertisement is the thing that I think I've really nailed on the head this last year. Yeah. Uh, so does it feel... Well, so your partnership... Is it a partnership with Nailissimo that allows you to kind of u- utilize their space? Yeah, I think partnership is an interesting way to use it. Yeah. Essentially, Nellie Simo, there's somebody who owns the building. Yeah. She also happens to work in the building. Okay. But we pay her a fee to have our space, which includes like my desk, most of my storage, but then also she supplies laundry, uh, receptionist, mm. uh, pedicures, chairs, things like that. Things okay. that are just extremely expensive to have. Yeah. So she's put together most of the equipment so mm-hmm. that you can come in. It's almost rent. like you're renting a space from her. Yeah, exactly. And then she gets to collect a number of you artists all into one place. Yes. Okay. So I want to talk, I'm interested to talk about the impact that having beautiful nails has on your clients and your customers. Yeah. Because it feels like you're providing more than just good looking nails, good looking hands. Yeah. I'm glad you brought it up. I used to have such a big struggle with being a nail tech okay. in general. I really thought that I was just fueling people's vanity and I was just kind of providing a service that was just like inherently sinful, sort of. Like I just didn't, I I hated the idea that I was just fueling this idea of a rich woman who just spends all of her money on herself and never on other people. Too Um, luxurious. Yeah. Okay. And I, I really, the vanity issue was just something I really never wanted to push and I never did it growing up so I never really understood it I never got my nails done wasn't thinking we did but I struggled that until about this year which is and funny because I did advertisement more this year because of that but yeah it's been great to have I've had clients who've come in because they like my style and because they like me specifically it's become far less about oh I just want my nails done because they look pretty and it's become a I like you and your personality I like the conversations that we have. I like the advice you give me or I like getting things off my chest. Mm. Um, And then I've had some people who have even said like it's helped with confidence levels. It's helped them pour back into themselves rather than just constantly emptying themselves on other people. And it's kind of nice. It's like a it's a treat yourself kind of thing, you know? Yes. 2020, everybody's doing that, but it's good. It's nice human interaction. That's all about whoever comes in and however they want it. So it's been great kind of developing it into, it can be like a therapy session. It can be just a friend hangout. It can be all about art. It can be kind of whatever the client wants it to be. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. 
It's wild. It's wild how much I know about people all over Billings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because they feel safe around you. I think that is a good testament to Mm -hmm. your personality. Well, thanks, Steven. (laughs) But yeah, uh, there's a comfort level there and you're sharing something vulnerable like your hands. Mm -hmm. Like hands kind of set us apart in the animal kingdom. It's true. (laughs) In the the ways that humans get to interact with the world. It's very true. And you can't do anything when I have your hands. I need them both. Yeah. So it's not like you can sit on your phone and ignore me while I do it. You have to be five to eight inches away from my face for at least an hour. It forces presence Mm -hmm. and it forces a a connection. Absolutely. Yeah. Which I love. I thrive on that. That's great. Yeah. It's, It's interesting. Me being an introvert. Most people don't think that I would like that, but I think the intimacy and the one-on-one aspect of it is what I I do really well with. You mentioned kind of growing in your marketing and advertising skills, and that's something I'm interested in talking to because I have thoroughly enjoyed following your Instagram page, and I just kind of want to pick your brain about some of the practicalities of, of what you're doing on the page. Do you work with a photographer of any sort or do you do this all your own? It's all my own. iPhone camera? Yes. Okay. iPhone camera and ring light. Amazon. Good addition. Ring light. Oh, is that one of those attachments? Mm -hmm. Okay. Just clip it on your phone. Yeah. Gives you much better lighting than the yellow lights in the building. Oh, yeah. Okay. What kind of things have you learned about editing those photos? Like what kind of captions work well? So as far as visually, I tried really hard to look at Instagrams that I really liked to look at. I tried to look at them as individual posts and as an Instagram as a whole. And I found out that I really like to look at Instagrams that are cohesive. Mm. So I I bought like a marble background for my desk. I just didn't like the background that was my desk already. It's okay. just like a weird brown, weird thing. Yeah. So I had a very clean white and gray marbling that just looks like marble, but it's just paper um, that I put down for photos. Yeah. And um, when I edit them, I put the same filter on every photo i have an app that i just went in and i tweaked things and i set it to kind of the the aesthetic that i wanted okay and then i just saved it and i put that on everything and then i tweak it if necessary sweet but that way the background and everything is the same light same color scheme same filter same everything that's necessary for it Mm -hmm. i try really hard not to change how the photo was taken other than like maybe brightening it up so it's not as dull or something like that but i don't really do much other than that right so yeah i tried really hard to just make the whole page look cohesive so when you click on it it just looks great and then as individual posts go i found it's just been better to lean into my personality i tried really hard at first to lean into the I'm so excited about doing nails. Aren't nails fantastic? Okay, yeah. And it's just not me. So once I dove into the relationships that I had with certain people, the conversations I had, and then the artistic side that I enjoyed, um, it got better. It got a lot better and a lot easier to write captions. Now what I do is I, I take photos of all the ones that I am proud of. I don't take any photos of any, anything that I don't love, whether it be the other person's idea and I just didn't think it was a great idea. Or yeah. Or maybe I just didn't do it to the uh, level that I expect myself to be able to do it. Then I edit them all at the same time. And then I keep them as drafts on my Instagram. Mm. And then once a week, I try to sit down and schedule out the entire week's posts. So I try to write them out so that in the mornings or whenever I decide to post, I just click share. 
rather than feeling like, oh, it's Monday, I'm busy, I don't have time for this, and then I don't do it. Yeah. So um, I'm trying really hard to be a little bit more business mindset like okay. when it comes to it, make so some you, time for it. You're aiming at daily posts on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have do you have time specifically set aside every day to post a story or two? No. So um, I try to set a goal for myself every day or every other day that I'm at work to just do that with a set that I have in front of me. Um, I can take videos of people's nails and just post them later on, but usually I like to do it just in real time. So I try to just pick whatever set I'm the most proud of and then I'll do like a boomerang or something like that. But with the adding to your story, like add a post to your story on mm. your Instagram, mm-hmm. that kind of also fills in the gaps if I can't really. Oh, sure. If somebody else posts about you, tags you in it, you get to absolutely kind of build that sense of community by showing other people's photos of themselves, Yeah, their own nails. Yeah. And it's great because uh, it shows the community that other people are excited about it rather than, I don't know if people think like this, but I think like this, rather than feeling like it's a silly thing to spend your money on. You probably shouldn't do that. It makes people feel excited about it. So yeah. What kind of things do you build into your phone to uh, not keep you addicted to the phone? I know a lot of people who are doing online marketing are specifically blocking notifications and only set literally setting time on their Google calendars for my business, social media. Yes. Um, I have nothing. I'm actually, that's the part that I struggle with the most is I'm on my phone I feel like 24 seven, whether it's to post or to answer people or schedule people. And I hate it, mm. but I didn't really know it was an issue until recently when okay. Nick kind of pointed it out. So I'm trying to figure it out. So let's talk some nail basics. Cause I, I'm just extremely curious. <laughs> I read somewhere that you specialize in stilettos. Stilettos. Yes. And to be honest, the first time I read that, I thought we were talking about shoes. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that's where the term come from. Yeah. So would you just educate me for my own curiosity of the the basic profiles or shapes that uh, you can style nails before yeah. you even start applying paint and polish and all these? Yeah, absolutely. There are so many, so many. There's a lot of really ridiculous ones too, and then there are practical ones. So, <laughs> um, the most popular there's square, just classic, exactly what it sounds like. Round, again, also exactly what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Oval is just round, little tapered, exactly what it sounds like. Um, stiletto is kind of modeled after the the shoe. Okay. So um, stilettos are just like long, absurdly pointy thin heels. Heel. Yep. Yeah. So um, stiletto nails are typically very long, very pointy okay. nails. Um, and then almond, which is basically just like an almond. It's kind of a softer stiletto version. Okay. Um, so I'd say those are the most popular, but there's loads of others. Lipsticks, ballerina. There's so many other different shapes fans those ones are horrible don't look at those they're so bad <laughs> but yeah so there's a lot of options that's wild there's just an entire world that i am not oh yeah <laughs> i'm not oh, aware of there's even more to that than you even know trust me <laughs> i would say so many words that you're like what, what are these things what yeah. are you talking about well so i i would love to share a couple pictures on our no normal people instagram um if that's all right with you yeah, absolutely. Just kind of show off the stuff. Yeah. Um, there there have been a couple on there that I've really enjoyed. Oh, thank you. Um, see, seeing your artistry through it. Thanks. And also seeing, I love seeing the response on your Instagram stories, like we were saying. when you When your clients have a moment, I had a great morning with Maria. Yeah. And we talked about like some hard things and I got through it and I'm even more beautiful coming out of it. Yeah. I love that too. Today I actually had a client who had 
you know the semicolon trend yes um trend i feel it feels like not great for saying i saw this yes but she came in and said she wanted that for valentine's day and she got a semicolon and a little heart on the other and then made a nice post about how you know she needed that and she's not alone and other people aren't alone so just go ahead and message her and i was like me too talk to me anytime anybody needs it yeah yeah it was good things are hard and a, a talented artist got to put something of a reminder on yeah. my hands. Yeah. I can't get rid of my hands without seeing these exactly. these reminders of life is going to keep going. Yeah. I love it. Things are going to work out. That's good. That's awesome. Yeah. Kind of an abrupt shift. What about what? God? What about God? What about God? What about him? Specifically, how does your spirituality, Christianity, mm-hmm. compare to how you grew up? Oh, wow. What things differ? Um, and what have you learned throughout the process? Oh, wow. Wow. Okay, cool. There's a lot there. Yeah, there's so much there. Um, everything is different. Okay. All of it. Yeah. So <laughs> growing up, um, I grew up as a creaster in a creaster family. So mm-hmm. Christmas and Easter is all we did. And even then it wasn't consistent, you know? Um, I don't even think we had a Bible at all in wow. my house. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that existed. I basically, the understanding of Christianity that I had was... Jesus was this guy who died and came back, and that's it. Yeah. I I mean, the tr- the Trinity made no sense to me. Yeah. None. And none as, at all. And as long as the story is going to end there, it just, it sounds more like a Disney story yeah. than... <laughs> it does. It sounds fantasy. It sounds hocus pocus. Yeah. Growing up, I definitely, I, I mean, I'm not proud of this, but I definitely had the mindset that Christianity was just this big silly thing of this big guy in the sky mm. who was nice, but only when he liked you or when you did the right things. And yeah, so growing up was very different. But uh, I guess, are you asking me like, how did I come to my faith or how or the parallels here? Well, we've heard a little bit of your story um, about your family Mm -hmm. and about your experience with adoption and fostering. Was God present in that with you? Or was that where things started or was it years later? Yeah. As you were trying to put things back together. So um, if you're asking me if God was present as far as like, did I have a faith throughout that? No. Okay. Um, however, in during the time I would have also said, no, I don't think God's here. I actually probably would have said that if there is a God, he was causing it. Yeah. And therefore he's a piece of crap. You know, yeah. he's garbage. Okay. Um, but following out of that and becoming a Christian the way that I did, which I can get into, mm-hmm. I 110% think that God was more like glaringly obvious, like in my face, okay. helping me in yeah. good ways then, than any time before then or any time since then. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of an interesting story. It took me a long time. Uh, I pretty actively pushed against it. I had, I had mentors and Um, friends and family and people who kind of tried to bring me into it so many times. And I was just a rebellious teenager who (laughs) felt a lot of ways about a lot of things. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Um, As we all did. Yeah, naturally, you know. But when I was a senior in high school, uh, my best friend died Mm -hmm. suddenly. Yep. She had epilepsy and she was a Christian herself. Thank God. And I went to Missoula and I got pretty depressed in Missoula, as I had said earlier. And yeah. Being in Missoula is so hard. Oh my gosh, it was so hard. I hit like the lowest point I've ever been in. And I think that was just because everything came crashing down from before with my father and then the foster care system. And um, while I was put into a fantastic home, I still had this feeling of 
misplacement, mm. I guess that's mm-hmm. the best way to put it. I just didn't know where I belonged and I felt like I didn't really have any attachment to my childhood or who I was up until that point, you know? So I left Missoula and I came home and when I came home, I started living with my aunt and uncle and it's kind of a weird dynamic there. My uncle grew up with my father. Um, they weren't blood related. Uh, their moms were best friends. So oh, okay. just call him my uncle, but I lived with them. And he's a Christian, and he also studied theology in college. So, is this possibly Uncle Josh? It is Uncle Josh. Yeah, we mentioned him, mentioned him earlier oh, did too. We? Uh, yep. Well, Uncle Josh is the best person in the whole world. I love him so yeah, much. Yeah, my earlier question was smartest person you know, and you called Uncle Josh, Josh out. Yes, Look and at that. this is part of it. You know, absolutely. Yeah. So he studied theology, and uh, I used to have these moments where I would just be overwhelmingly sad for myself, and I just mm. had a lot of pity for my life. And so I would just go on long drives or, or I'd sit alone in my room and kind of wallow. And then when I was done, I'd come out and I'd be, act like everything was fine. And he was, well, he and his wife were, I think, the only people at the time who noticed or at least took action on that. And so my uncle started asking me questions about my faith. I pretty outwardly was like, that's stupid. <laughs> I don't have any. And he was like, well, do you want to like humor me and watch this show on Netflix? It's called The Bible. Like... You can watch it in documentary form, kind of, but also it's acted out, so it's a little easier to understand. Mm -hmm. And I literally only took him up on it because I thought I was going to be able to disprove his faith. And I was like, yeah, let's talk about how stupid it is. Like, (laughs) I would love to point out all of the ridiculous things here. Yeah. And it completely did the opposite. It took a long time. Every episode, we'd sit for like three to four hours. We'd pause and then talk and then pause and then talk and then pause and talk. And so... Probably the first like five or six were like that, where I was just pushing back and I was like, your God is stupid. This is dumb. What are you doing? And then I started kind of pulling back a little bit. And then I watched Jesus be crucified and I was like, all right, I'm here. You got me. You got me. All right. How could I not? So yeah, um, I'd say that was like the final moment for me. Okay. Yeah. How excited are you to be married in a couple weeks? Oh, man. I am. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited to be married and for the day. Like, yeah. I tell my fiance Nick this all the time. I have always been looking forward to what my life is like being a wife and being a mom mm. and being married. But like leading up to the wedding day, it's, there's just so much planning, and I am not a plan-oriented person. Mm-hmm. I'm very much. A, I'm way more carefree than I thought I was before this wedding planning thing happened. Oh. Way more. I would much rather just be like, oh, we'll just see how it goes. Like, whatever. It, it'll it'll be fine. The main thing is the main thing still. Yeah. Like, I'm still getting married. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, But that's not how great, fantastic weddings happen. You have to plan these things. And wow. I'm not good at that. So everything beforehand has been a little bit stressful. Okay. But I am so excited for the day of. So excited to be married. And Yep. Yeah. Can't wait. My mom told me something just absolutely. It was heartwarming. And it has stuck with me ever since my wedding day. Immediately following the ceremony, I went and gave her a hug. And she watched me melt down at the top of the aisle when Dixie came into view. (laughs) And what she told me in the middle of our hug, she said, you know that feeling you just had when you saw your bride coming down the aisle? That's how Jesus feels about you. Oh, so good. Every day. Oh. Yep. And I can't imagine it's going to be all that different from the wife's side. No, when oh, you, absolutely When you turn not. the corner and get to see Nick, 
up on the other end of the aisle. Yeah. And you get to make that journey and close the distance between Mm -hmm. the two of you. Honestly, it's been I'm glad you bring that up. I feel like my relationship with Nick has already been so eye opening, but also such a hard learning lesson Mm. as far as my walk with Jesus. So many things, so many things like Nick is an excellent example of a man who is Christ-like more so than any other man that I ever really had as an example, or at least most men that I had as an example. But then also, I love this, but also it's really hard, so I kind of hate it at the same time. But (laughs) um, having somebody that I'm with all the time, that I talk to all the time, that talks to me all the time and spends all their time with me, it's really hard to ignore all of my sinful nature Mm, that I... mm -hmm kind of could just ignore before yep. like before I could just have a really bad day and instead of going out and people seeing that I had a bad day and me being mean to people or being crappy to people I would just seclude and then I'd be fine after like a day or so and I'd come back out like nothing happened and right. they'd all be like oh Maria's fantastic she's so cool um but now I've got Nick who I spend all my time with and I want to but then he has to see all all of my sides all my mm-hmm. good but all of my sin so I've definitely had to really wrestle and work with some personal growth. Yeah. Which yep. I think is great. It's making me more more like Christ. Marriage certainly does that mm-hmm. to a person. Yeah. It's 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 a whirlwind journey for sure. I read a book once that described your family of origin. So your parents, your siblings, aunts and uncles, cousins, all these things. The environment you grew up in can be described as your university of relationships. Mm-hmm. And then when you choose to get married, you're essentially going for like a PhD in relationships. Oh my gosh. It's it's a, so true. It's such a major upgrade. Yes. Growing in communication oh. and in humility and leadership mm-hmm. even. It's pretty astounding. The push and pull compromise. So much. If that's of it. not a skill you've nailed down yet, you're gonna have to. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it it's great because Nick and I I think we've pretty much nailed the communication aspect. But we are so similar. We're either exactly the same or exactly the opposite. Oh, so okay. So we like, we're either hand in hand like, yeah, we're the best. Like we agree. Or we're like, what? And we'll like fight to the death. Yeah. How and- can another human being think <laughs> the opposite of me? No, it's pretty funny. We're getting there though. Maria, thank you so much for coming. This has been awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This, this is super great. fun. To close us out here, I'm curious to know what you are currently reading. Um. Oh, man. I know you're busy planning weddings and all this <laughs> stuff. So if you don't have a lot of time, that's understandable. But what was the last book you started? What yes. are you in the middle of? I actually cannot remember the title of it to save my life, but it's about a murder. Mm. Oh, it's the, oh my gosh, it's the Golden State Killer, I'm pretty sure is what it is. Okay. They're making a new HBO documentary about it, and I didn't even know that. But I love serial wow. killers. I'm fascinated. I'm a creep. So Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you said that you're the two podcasts that you've listened to are this one and a murder murder documentary. Yep. (laughs) That you go for runs with. Oh, yeah. I love it. So good. What the heck is up with that? Fuels my cardio. That's all right. Not really. I just (laughs) I just need something to distract me. I think the first time I met you was at Off the Leaf and you were reading Kurt Vonnegut. Mm hmm. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I think so. I saw you had the book open. I'm like, yeah, she's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like how me, Josh, you've met us in coffee shops and we both had a book and you judged whether we were cool or not based on the book. That we that's had. that's probably a character flaw of my own. <laughs> <laughs> At least I made it into the, the right? good ca- yep. category of people. So far, I'm two for two, Josh yeah, and you. That's perfect. 
good for me. <laughs> what are you currently listening to? Music wise? Let's go for music because we know you don't listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I would have said the same thing for podcasts. Same two podcasts. <laughs> um, it's been answered. Yeah. Currently, I'm trying to make a wedding playlist for yes. the reception. Yep. So I'm listening to a lot of random Spotify playlists for that. And one that I created for a friend of mine, Courtney, for her reception that was 2019 summer. So, oh, excellent. Yeah. Lots of party music, lots of, lots of Bruno Mars. Yeah. <laughs> Which would not be my choice of music otherwise, but I saw you shop that question onto Facebook and my, my only suggestion was September by Earth, yeah. Wind and Fire. <laughs> and I told you I would not attend if you Classic. didn't. <laughs> it's a, oh, it's, it's always there. It At, has to be. Every, every wedding ever has that song. Fantastic. Well, great. Would you give a whirl to this quote for the show? Yes. Thank you so much again. Absolutely. The only normal people you know are the ones you don't know very well. 